We'll be reading from Colossians 3, 1 through 11. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Amen. You may be seated. Howdy. How's everybody? You look good. In case nobody's told you that yet this morning. <laughs> and I love that, David, a better person than a minister. I, that's good. <laughs> uh, it, it, I don't, I wish I did have really great stories to tell you about David uh, in, in our youth group, because he was in our youth group three or four or longer than that ago. Uh, years, uh, but uh, he was. Uh, Deb, Deb would describe David as the uh, Pastor Dave as the guy that uh, if if we needed something, he would help run and get it. He would help set up. He was just always available and as a servant's heart. And uh, that's those are all the salacious details I have <laughs> uh, regarding David. Uh, he's got a big heart. Uh, unless unless of course you're playing basketball with him. Uh, <laughs> I already see head shaking. It's like, oh, Because uh, then he would, that's when, that's when David gets really serious. He's on the basketball court. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm Rolf Kleinfeld, and it's a privilege to be able to be with you this week. Um, we've been praying about this. I, David called, we, we, my wife and I, just a quick history. My wife and I, uh, I've known Debbie for 52 uh, years. Yeah, 52 years. Uh, uh, we, we knew each other. We met each other in uh, eighth grade. Um, I didn't like her. She didn't like me. It was mutual. It's a typical junior high thing. Uh, but we somehow have gotten over that, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, so, uh, but I've known her. And this is the reason I, I thought she was crazy. Because she, invi- I didn't grow up in church. And she would invite me as a, as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, she would invite me to come to her locker on, on week, weekday mornings, the beginning of the week in particular, just to pray for her friends and the teachers. And I was like way too cool to do that. And if you would see my junior high pictures, you would realize how cool I, I was. Uh, but uh, but G- Jesus has been part of Deb's life for... Ever since she was four, 
and you need to hear her testimony. And I, um, but, uh, and, and I want to let you know this, you know, we're never, ever, ever t- too old to, to serve Jesus. And we're never, ever, ever too young to serve Jesus. Because it was a witness of a middle schooler into my life that spoke Jesus. It wasn't adults. It was somebody that was a, my age. And then her parents and her grandpa, who just loved me for who I was, long hair back in the 70s and all that stuff. And he never said anything to me. That was the coolest part. He never said anything to me. He just would shake my hand. He'd put his big bear. I mean, he was a working guy. He had, had his own business and stuff, and he did home repair and things. But he had bears, hands like bear paws. You know what I'm talking about. And he would, like, wrap his arm around me. And after I would leave, I found out later that he told Deb's mom, I like that boy, Nancy. I just wish he'd cut his hair. <laughs> but he never said that to me, which was kind of a neat thing. But I, I want to remind us all that that we are never, ever, ever too old or too young to serve or be, be, be of service within the kingdom of God. That, I mean, we all have, and that we all go through different phases, but we are all part of the kingdom, and we all make up the body of Jesus. Without, without the certain pieces, then something is missing because we each bring a unique character, a unique gifting within the body of Christ. And as people come to know him, and as there are more people that come and, and are part of the body, it just gives the world a better picture of what the body of Jesus looks like because of all the diversity and all the uniqueness and all the wonderful things that are there. And the only difference between any of us in here, whether we teach or whether we, whatever it is that we do, it's just where our yes to Jesus has us. Our obedient yes to Jesus. I mean, I was, Deb and I were lay people for seven years in, in associate ministry for 17 years. We served as missionaries in Asia for 16 and a half and came back to the States in 2019, um, right before COVID in December. <laughs> and I had that question though, coming back, even coming back to the States, because I was sure, Deb and I were sure that we were going to be on the field serving the Lord in Cambodia until we were ready to retire, whatever that means. And so when God started nudging and saying, come back to the States, and I'm, I'm like 61 and I'm going, uh, can you really can you really use me I mean they're looking for younger pastors and can you really use me God and he made it definitely clear just told me specifically and then my district superintendent we grew up we were on the Virginia district and Virginia is a district in the church of the Nazarene and and my district superintendent, who is also the son of a missionary, had told me before we left or when we left for the field, I will never call and ask you to, about a church, to pray about a church or anything, I promise, because they would do that to my dad when we would come back and be doing our deputation services, and my dad would have to pray about it, but he always knew that that was, he was sure that it wasn't going to be come back to the States, but he'd always have to pray about it. So I don't want to frustrate you. I will wait for you to tell me, and then... Uh, I'll add, then I'll see you know, what God is doing here and, and stuff. So we're back in the States and we're speaking and it's when God is really nudging and saying, it's time for a pulpit ministry, it's time to be the grand, 
grandparents and speak into the lives of your kids, speak into the lives of your grandkids. We've got six grandkids ranging from 16 to four. Uh, and uh, so I said, okay. So we're back in the States. I get a phone call. We're making arrangements and speaking in Virginia. And there's a pause. It's, it's Phil. It's my district superintendent. And he said, uh, I know I promised you that I would never ask but I really feel that I need to ask, would you be open to? And I just started to cry. I mean, it was confirmation to the Lord's leading. This week, as, as we have time together, and, and, you've, and I've seen that you have the scriptures and things, I would ask you, uh, if you're able to be here, please come. If you're not able to be here, please pray. Please read over the scriptures. I'm a firm believer in the power of the word of God. And, the, and especially as the body of Christ is reading it, the same verses together, allowing God to speak into our lives, because I believe God speaks to us individually. And then as we are praying and as we are reading and as we are meditating on the word, he speaks to us collectively as well. That's what being part of the body of Jesus is about. So I would, I would just challenge you, if you, you know, if you haven't started the, 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 the scripture challenge, pick it up, man. Just just do it. And if, and if this is just reading the scriptures for this week that we're here until Wednesday, do that. Uh, but come and, and pray with us about this time because I'm looking forward to what God has for us as he renews us. Because I see that. I mean, we have saints of the Lord in this place. And, and, and uh, so you are the parents of Audrey who read the scripture last week. Okay. All right. Who said that they wish there were more than five people or were looking forward to <laughs> five people. <That's> her. <laughs> Audrey, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. I know. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry, sort of, about that. <laughs> but, but when you did that, I, I love that. But I just want you to know, I just, especially the, the teens that are still in here, I just want you to know, man, you have an impact on the people's lives around you, including your parents, including the, the teens that you go to school with in Bedford. You are world changers and life changers. Okay? So don't think of yourself any... Small. I mean, the power of God is at work within you. Think about that. Isn't that a scary thing to think, though? That God says he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I know me, and I don't know if I would trust me with that kind of message or that kind of power. But God somehow wants to use us. Audrey, I'm sorry if I put you on the spot. Um. You did a great job of reading the word, by the way. But you get to be the example. You get to be the example to all the, the kids that just went downstairs for a while of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Because I'm telling you, there are younger people that are looking at you, not necessarily the olders, but you, because they want to be cool. Like teenagers are cool. I don't even know what the modern expressions are anymore. I did say this morning when I came in that I was going to keep it 100, no cap. 
They do, okay. I'm looking at the younger people on that because some of the older people are going, what are you talking about? 100 is like keeping it pure, keeping it 100%. No cap means I'm not hiding anything. It's truth. It's all truth. So anyway, so I want to preface our whole, the whole time that we're together in this, the way of love <clears throat> as we look at this as that we as Christ followers that are all the Christ followers in this room, we have this mission that God has given to us, which is to share the good news of Jesus with everyone, everywhere, all the time. It's what our life is to be. It begins as we walk in faith. It begins as we grow in faith, that we are to make Christ-like disciples. And the, and the goal of that is so that they make Christ-like disciples, so that they make Christ-like disciples, so that they make Christ-like disciples and so on. And as long as we're having, as long as people are having babies, we're going to have new people to minister to along the way. And God might be challenging you to, to, uh, to a certain goal or a certain thing, right? I mean, you have pastors that were from Ohio originally. Amen. Thank you. I was waiting for that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> don't hold that against them. I, Debbie and I are also from Ohio. Don't hold that against us. So. <laughs> It's already been brought up in the, uh, you know, we were not going to talk about the Browns or the Guardians or uh, any of the other teams, but uh, anyway. Uh, but, uh, and I also want to remind us that heaven is not our goal. Restored relationship with Jesus, right relationship with God is the goal. Heaven is just the end it's the byproduct of the goal. God is at work in us. His spirit is at work within us. And we need to allow him to be that. And therefore we need to be, as Peter says, the holy nation, the royal priesthood. Because people look to our lives. People look at us that are followers of Jesus. To what it was, what it is to model what it is to be a true follower of Jesus. A true community of saints as it were that's what israel was that's what israel was to the world back in the day in the old testament times they were to be the example of what it was to follow the god of creation and what it looked like as a society to treat to treat each other well to love each other to take care of those to help people move when they needed to move to do those things, to be the family of God so that other people would look at that group of Israelites and go, wow, what is different about them? Well, they, have, they serve the creator of the universe. And we are that royal priesthood, that, that holy nation. That is who we are today as followers of Jesus. And we carry that on. And people look to this community of faith right here, your lives, our lives as we walk with him to see what is the difference that Jesus makes? And we're going to focus on, we're going to look at that, this, this way of love as we're together today and throughout our time. Um, we've had the passage read, and I, I thanks, thank you, David, for that. Um, I love the passage in this, in this particular section, Raised with Christ. Uh, and if you have your Bible, I don't have any cool PowerPoint slides. I just have the, I just have the Bible, and so... If, if it was up there, that would be cool, but I didn't ask them to do that. So, But if you have the word with you and you want to open it, or if you have it electronically with you and you want to open that, just don't be texting people or anything else like that during the service. 
lest you get struck by a bolt of lightning or something <laughs> like that. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, the Lord would, I won't say the Lord would never do that. That's a dangerous thing to say. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> I just want to focus on that first part, verses 1 through 4, as we look at this. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. The resurrected life, we have a, we have a totally new focus. Now, none of this, none of what I will share for most of us will be new today. I'm praying that God shows us something new from his word. Because he says that it is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I don't know you. I've only been following Jesus for, I don't know, 45 years. And I read, sometimes I read stuff in here and I'm like, what? I know I've read this before, but why is it kicking me in my spiritual shins now? And, and, and so hear the word and ask God what he wants to show us today. What he wants to show us this week. Set your hearts, set your minds on things above. And I love that. It's the affections of our heart. What are, the, what are the things that we long for? What are the things that we desire? It should be the Lord. It shouldn't necessarily, it shouldn't be all the other things that are around us. <clears throat> it should be what God has for us. And, and the things that Paul writes about this in Philippians as well. The things that are good and pure and holy and, and noble. It includes the things that we watch. Are we focused on Jesus? Is he the one that gets all of our affection and all of our attention. Because all the other stuff is supposed to, we are supposed to have died to. And there needs to be a shift in the way that we see things, in the newness that we see things, which includes those of us who've been walking with Jesus every day to say to him in the morning, God, surprise me with your presence. Help me to hear from you today what you would have me hear. Because his promises are new every day. You know, I, I, was, uh, I, I was sharing with Pastor that um, I, I, we, like we, Deb and I grew up in Ohio, and, and she grew up in the church. I didn't grow up in the church, and I didn't have my life right with Jesus. Debbie went off to Mount Vernon Nazarene College. I went to Cleveland State. Cleveland State was so overwhelmed with my academic prowess that they asked me to leave. Uh, and uh, so I enlisted in the Marine Corps. Uh, because I thought if I was going to do the military, let's just do the military. And uh, so I served for four. And um, I was stationed, my first duty station was stationed in Japan. I gave my life to Jesus. Uh, that's, a, that's a totally different story. But I was stationed, my first duty station, Deb and I, I, I had given my life to Jesus. She had seen the testimony of my life. Um, and, uh, and she, <laughs> when I was at boot camp, she sent me basic Bible studies uh, in the mail. She, the first mistake that she made was sending me a letter that she had put a little stamp on, a little wax stamp on it, and written on the outside of the envelope. Don't ever do that to anybody that's at boot camp, ever, ever, ever. Uh, I mean, I got to eat the wax seal, and I got to do push-ups, high push-ups for every letter that was on the outside of the envelope. Um, so don't ever do that to any of your friends uh, or anybody else from the congregation that might go off to boot camp. Don't ever, 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 ever. Can I say that again? Ever? 
So anyway, so Debbie would send me Bible studies, basic Bible studies. So I had Bible studies through the entire time I was with Anyway, so I, I, I get my, I've got my life right with the Lord. It happened, happened actually right before I left for boot camp. Got my, my, I came to an altar at a church and I said, Father, I, I want to be yours. And, uh, and I'd said that once before at 15, but didn't commit. And I was like, I, I want to, this is it. I'm, I'm 19 years old. I'm headed off to Paris Island. You know, Lord, help me. <laughs> yeah. Came back. Deb saw the fruit of my life. I proposed. She said, yeah, we can get married. That's, we'll do that. And, uh, we decided we'd get married in a year, which was a good thing because the Marine Corps gives you this, they give you this, uh, they give you this little thing that's called the dream sheet. You know, what duty stations would you like? And I said, well, I picked two duty stations on the East Coast and one duty station on the West Coast. And uh, the Marine Corps thought that uh, they wanted to send me West, and so they wanted to satisfy me. So they sent me so far West, it was East, and I ended up in Japan. Uh, and so I was stationed in Japan for, for, 12, for 12 months, for a year. And so I said, Deb, it's a good thing that we decided to wait a year. Uh, because I'm not going to see you for an entire year. And I had a little countdown calendar. It was an outline of, of Deb. I have the picture in my wallet. I've, Deb's picture is still in my wallet, her high school picture in my wallet. And I traced that, and I had 100 days, and so I was counting down. Man, I was really focused on this, because this, this was the girl that I didn't like at first, and then one day I looked across the room, and I was like, huh, my heart started doing this, you know, right? You know what I'm saying. And uh, I was like, yeah. Uh, anyway. And so I had that, and, and I was just, I was focused. I was going to see my beloved. So I'm, color, I'm coloring my countdown calendar, and I get down to my last day. I think we still have that calendar someplace. Uh, and I remember flying. I could not sleep on my flight back from Japan, you know. So I arrive at the airport, and I'm... I'm like leaving the little area and I'm walking and I'm looking. I'm looking. It's like everything fades away and then I see. I still get teary. I see Deb and she's, she's there. And it's like everybody else faded away. And I could just see her face. And her smile, oh my goodness. And of course, I wrapped her up in my arms and I gave her a big kiss. When Paul is writing here about setting our affections and our minds on Christ as though nothing else matters, that's, that's what he's talking about. That kind of love, that kind of passion, that kind of determination. Because when I was going through the airport, it didn't matter what other people were talking about. I had people try to hand me pamphlets and all this other stuff. I just wanted to see Deb. In our lives as followers of Jesus, that's the goal. The goal is to follow him, is to see him, is to know him. And to be so focused that the other stuff takes a back seat. It fades off to the side. It's like it's not there because our eyes are just so fixed on Jesus who is the 
author and the perfecter of our faith. Because we died, as Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the, uh, as we move on, the, the kind of the practical application of this is, you know, Paul outlines for the church because he is, Paul is talking to people that have no Christian story. Imagine that. No stories, no TV shows, no radio stations, no Charlie Brown Christmas, nothing. No context. How do I behave now that I become a follower of Jesus? What, what do I do? How do I act? What sort of things do I need to be about? Well, if we become the, the, the instruments of the God who, of creation who is holy, then we should be holy too. This, this way of love is a, is, is a total uh, consumption of our beings into this being of love as Jesus is love to us. And so Paul gives some practical advice. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. It's because of these that the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all of these things. You know, one of the joys that Deb and I had in, in serving in Cambodia was we, we got to the country and we basically had to restart what was happening with local churches. And, and we served in Cambodia as the district superintendent, the trainers of pastors and everything. And, and so the word was new to a lot of people. And as we are, I mean, well, it was new to everybody because in Cambodia, when we arrived, there was 0.6% were followers of Jesus, 95% Buddhist, 3% Islam, 0.6% followers of Jesus. So to talk about Jesus was a big thing. And, and so what are the stories of Jesus? We have, there's no comparison. There's nowhere to start. So as we're reading and as we're studying the word of God, and we're looking, we were looking at this particular chapter as we were looking at Colossians and we were training pastors and teaching pastors. And one of the pastors read this passage and the pastor reads this and he says, he's, he's reading, is put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And, and he stops and he goes, and he stands up and he goes, did you read this? Talking to the other pastors, did you read what it says here? And the pastor's like, what? He says, this is put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He said, that's like put it to death. That's like kill it. That's like don't play with it anymore. Kill it. You just get rid of it. We got to get rid of it. And then he talked for about 10 minutes and it was a great message. I didn't have to teach that portion of the class. I mean, it was just right on with what it was. It's, and, and, and Paul is saying that same thing is that we, when God speaks to us about these things that need to be out of our life, it's not like we dabble in them anymore. But we step away from them. And today, you know, our, we, have, we face so much more, right, with our phones connected to the entire world, connected at any time, all the time. How many notifications do we get? It's no, this is no longer a tool. I mean, a telephone used to be just on the wall and... Uh, Right? And it was really nice to hop in your car because nobody could reach you in your car. 
But there are so many things on here that distract us from our time with the Lord, from those things we need to put to death. I'm not just saying this, but any of those things. And for Paul, as he's reading this about what it means to live a holy life, it's, it's getting rid of these outward behaviors and these inward inclinations, right? I mean, he talks about what it is, where, where our affections are, where our mindset is, what we, are, what we are supposed to be about and not about. He says that this whole thing of sexual immorality and purity, those are the outward signs that are driven by lust and evil desires and greed, which is idolatry, and that starts within us. That's where we let our minds go and continue to go. And then the behavior happens out of where our heads are. And Paul says we need to put those things to death. Not to play with them, but to get rid of them. One of the other translations translates, or greed can actually be translated as covetousness or desiring that which you don't have. Somebody else's stuff. Whether that's a house, whether that's a truck, whether that's a, I don't know, car, whether that's whatever, I don't know. But that's what he's, that's what he's talking about. And that becomes, that becomes idolatry because you desire those things more than you desire to know the will and follow the will of God. Because that can, becomes more important than he does. Paul says, you used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. And then he starts tacking on all these other things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Man, I, you know, for us, there isn't a whole lot of traffic out here, which is a nice thing. It's a nice, it was a nice drive. I mean, we were staying up in, in Martinsburg, and it was a very nice drive coming down. It was nice just to be behind a buggy for a while and not have to worry about speeding, but just kind of go. It's also nice to remember that, that Jesus walked everywhere that he went. God, Jesus was never in a hurry. How much, anyway, that's another sermon. But where we live in Richmond, Virginia, on the I-95 corridor, bless the Lord, oh my soul. (laughs) There's traffic. There's one or two or 500 cars. And a real test of whether you're really walking with Jesus is when that person cuts you off and you want to wave at them and say, have a wonderful day. <laughs> but it's just hard to do. But that's when you have to remember and ask yourself, what kind of day has that person had that has caused them to rush? I mean, maybe they overslept. Maybe the baby didn't sleep last night at all. And they were up all night. And now they're late for work or an appointment. And Anyway, filthy language was a big issue for me that God had to take care of uh, because, you know, I mean, it was already bad. And then I was in the Marine Corps, and then it was badder than bad, yeah. And I remember being on the softball team in Havelock, North Carolina, 
I still say North Carolina. Uh, but uh, being on the softball team, playing center field, and having a ball come to me, and I had minded my lips. God was really dealing with me in this language thing, and I had been minding my lips, and I went to get the ball, and it hit a little knob or something on the ground, and it scooted right between my legs. And I said a word loud enough that it echoed in the trees of the ballpark that I could hear it as I turned around to chase the ball and thought to myself, my pastor's sitting <laughs> on the sidelines. And I went and got the ball, threw it in, we got the guys out, I came back and sat down on the bench, and Ken, a good friend of mine, looked down at me, and I was waiting for it, man. And Ken said, hey, Kleinfeld. Yeah? He goes, you know, if you keep your glove down, that won't happen next time. And then he just smiled. I said, thanks. We have to be that gracious with those that are walking with Jesus too. Especially those that are new to the faith. Because it's new. They may not know. I didn't know necessarily how to behave as a new follower of Jesus. I just watched other people and they corrected me in a loving way, like Ken, who never said, you shouldn't be cussing like that. I already knew that I shouldn't be cussing like that. There are others that we, we just have to love in that way as we help others in the journey of what it is to be a follower. Don't lie to each other, he says, which was apparently a problem in both the Ephesian church and in the, in the group in, in uh, Colossae. Don't lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator. And where we lived in Cambodia, it was nothing. You wanted to seize advantage of every opportunity that you could and take advantage of anybody that had a resource that you wanted, which meant that you did anything you could to deceive that person to gain that resource. Because if you didn't, you were considered foolish, which is so opposite of what we think of in relationships, especially as followers of Jesus. So as we were, some of this stuff, as we're teaching this, it's like not lying and not taking advantage of others, but giving in the way Jesus gave was such a, was such a profound thing. This is, this is the old practice that we are to take off because we have put on this new life, not to deceive, but to be real, to be renewed in the knowledge and the image of the creator. That is the practical application of what it means for us as followers of Jesus to live as followers of Jesus and then to help others in that journey. And we'll talk more about that tonight. And the last part is that because we are growing in grace, we are growing daily in our walk with Jesus. I have, I have just a quick question. Do you, as a, as, a, as a family, or do you, as individuals, do you have like a personal spiritual growth plan that you say, this is the pattern that I want to have in my life. These are the habits that I'm going to develop so that I can be 
who God has called me to be because I'm spending my time with him. Because if he wants to work through me, I need to know him. So do you have a plan to help that to happen, to make that to happen? A routine in your life that helps you to do that. David happened to tell me that there was a Boston Marathoner in this, uh, in this congregation at one time, right? Are they, are they still here? Oh. She's downstairs? Praise the Lord. She's serving Jesus downstairs. Wow. That's good. Okay. So there's a Boston Marathoner here. Well, I, and tell me her name again. Jess. Jess. I'm sure Jess did not wake up one morning and say, I'm going to run the Boston Marathon and then just go to Boston and run. Right? I'm sure that she trained, disciplined herself. I also know that there was an Olympian that was part of this congregation. And I'm sure that didn't happen by accident. But they trained. And as followers of Jesus... It's God has given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline so that we can be the people that God has called, have, has called us to be by doing that intentionally in our lives, intentionally in raising of our children, intentionally in the way that we disciple our spouses together as we walk with Jesus, because marriage is a huge discipleship class. Amen? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> growing in grace if you don't have a personal plan I'm, I'm pretty sure that pastor could help you either one of the pastors could help you but reading the reading of a chapter a day is a great place to start and this is the cool part about the kingdom that there is no Greek or Jew circumcised uncircumcised barbarian Scythian slave or free but Christ is all in the kingdom of God, all are in the kingdom of God. All are welcome. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. There is no exception for any ethnicity or culture or anything else. Like that. All are welcome into the huge, big arms of Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we have to, re we have to realize that. We have to, be, to know that. We have to welcome that within our communities, within where we live and and whom we serve, that there, are, there is no pecking order. There is no one better than anybody else. We are all followers of him who has called us to serve him and to be his. So we need to be careful about how we look at people as well, personally, as far as grudges, prejudice, we are to forgive even as God forgave us. That's what it is to live and to be and to live in the way of love as personally for us. These are the things that we need to take on. This is the way we need to see others around us. And as a community, and this is the building block, and then we do this also as a community, and we'll talk more about that this evening. So we're going to have a final hymn today, and I would just ask you, what is it that the Lord has spoken to you? What
particular, maybe there was a word that came out, maybe a phrase, maybe something else within this that was said this morning that God is speaking to you today. Allow him, ask him, Father God, what is it that you would have me glean from your word today that I might be closer to you because I've been with your people, with your word, together with you in this place? Mold me and shape me today. Father God, thank you for this, your word to us today. I pray that it would be your power that is at work within us to accomplish that which we cannot do without you. Today, Father, speak to our hearts, challenge us, nudge us, Help us to say yes, Father God, to whatever it is you're asking of us. And we thank you, Father, that you are leading us and are with us on our journey of faith. We love you and thank you and pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen.